I've been moving calm, don't start no trouble with me. Trying to keep it peaceful is a struggle for me. Don't pull up at 6 a.m. to cuddle with me. You know how I like it when you loving on me. I don't wanna die for them to miss me. Yes, I see the things that they wishing on me. Hope I got some brothers that outlive me. They gon' tell the story was different with me. God's plan. All right, God's we're plan. back once again live folks from greenwood hey bonjour shalom what's up and welcome back to how you living the show that comes live from the Chaz tower in the million dollar studios we're here live folks just to bring you the woke news the story of the day and everything Chaz wants to say yeah, what's up, y'all? How's it going? I'm I'm saying that like we live or something. Like I can see them. Like, oh hey, Chaz, how you doing? And it's like, and it's like handling esque. It was like this cold, wanting to freeze over weather on the way over here. Uh, we're here in the late evening, episode forty nine. Yeah, which will be soon to come because we always start every episode with a segment we like to call Coca-Cola-Backs. That's right, folks. Where we look back on the episodes we've done prior, the topics we've talked about, and the things that have made us this week think about those things a little bit more. So, uh, Chaz, what have you been thinking about lately? So, I kind of want to throw back the last weekend or some last week's episode uh, with the Super Bowl commercials. Uh Okay, because you caught you caught the show. The big game, by the way, happened. Congratulations, Philly! Yeah, Philly, Philly, Philly! Congratulations to our host and favorite man of the day, Mr. Chaz. Congratulations, Philly! Congratulations to you, man. Uh, But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so watching the game, the advertising, right? So there was this one. There, there was a lot of like the typical stuff on there. Um, I really like the one where the New York Jets, uh, no, not the New York Jets, the New York Giants did uh, oh, like a with dance the dirty thing? dancing thing. Yeah, that's right? great. But the thing that really got me is there's this uh, new uh, website that's going to be basically dedicated to like blackness and black culture called Blackture. And their theme, they just had like a 30 second spot where it was Pros from uh, the Fugees. He's up there and he has a blindfold on and then he has the tape over and and then he takes off the tape, takes off the blindfolds and then he just walks off the stage and it says up there, be celebrated, not tolerated. And I was like, damn, like, like it, the only reason why it was damn is because to have something like that during a during the Super Bowl where everybody for the entire season has been like, y'all need to stop kneeling. You're being disrespectful. Right. So you know everybody's going to... Certain win. people. Yeah. Like, you know the people who are like, you're being disrespectful or watching it, and you know that's their thing, right? That's their, you know, Easter dinner or whatever. Like, if the religion is football and all that. So to see that in the middle of a commercial, I could see people being, like, heated. Like, what? Exactly. <laughs> like yeah so i thought i'm glad they paid the money to like get it on there that was good exposure i think it was at the right time and to the right audience kind of like a very cultured sort of like fuck you in a sense and and for a a, a rare how you live in moment um you're going to be the one more influenced by this because i actually had a day out that day and so i ended up only catching the fourth quarter of the super bowl 
Uh, watched it, though, literally from the first snap. It was like 15-0-0 on the clock, fourth quarter. And what an amazing fourth quarter I watched. But you watched like an actual Super Bowl party, Super Bowl. And so you saw all the commercials and everything. So uh, outside of that, like, what do you think uh, was the the mood of the event overall? Like, you think... Uh, like, the NFL is going through these changes, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is a quote-unquote defiant team, the Philadelphia Eagles, that won the, the trophy. Mm-hmm. They were known for their outspoken moments in the season. And a quote-unquote more uh, middle-of-the-road, uh, you know, not even middle-of-the-road, uh, exemplary of what the NFL quote-unquote wants to be. Yeah. A team that is, uh, you know, hush-mouthed and, you know, tight-knit and doesn't have... Uh, uh, political meanderings. Yeah, no, that's true. So what was your impression of the game as a whole and kind of like given those parameters? Well, there wasn't a lot of like, there was definitely not a lot of political stuff on the field. I think the majority of the uh, the team stood up for the national anthem. The national anthem was sung by um, Leslie Odom Jr., um, who plays uh, Aaron Burr in the Hamilton uh, play so that was interesting okay and then like they did a second one with pink and i don't know why but but pink, oh yeah because pink is like vaguely from philadelphia like i say vaguely like it's the same way you say kobe Bryant's from philadelphia he's from lower marion but that's like philadelphia adjacent so it's okay and he got hype as shit he was like oh shit like, and, and and for the record, our our own Chaz here is from uh, Will Smith territory, West Philadelphia. Yeah, spent like ten years in West Philadelphia. Then I moved on up to East Falls, a really sedity place. Did then, you, did you ever play street ball? Any basketball on the streets there? Did you or did you witness the games? I witnessed it, but my parents were old fuddy duddies, so they didn't allow me to do any of the fun shit when I was a kid. But, I couldn't play in the street. They were like, "We right? ain't got no relatives in." fucking bel-air to city don't go getting in fights <laughs> right yeah like i was like i was relegated to the house a lot i played a lot of video games like i wanted to play basketball I, like i probably could play basketball if i honed that skill but i never did i have like oh. an okay jumper you know right? i'd say i was gonna say you you look like an outside shooter man. You, can have it, you know you trim trim down a little bit me too man we gotta uh-huh. we gotta take off a little bit get back in the gym and, right uh, yeah we could we could be an outside shooter you know, like a J.J. Redick, you mm-hmm. know, like, a, you know, one of those. Exactly. One of those, like, eh, he's a six-man outside shooter guy. You know, I want to say Jay Crawford, but, you know, Jamal Crawford's, like, the king of that. Mm. He's the king of the six-man, so he's, like, another level anyway. That's like, true. Same position, but, like, we're, like, yo, Jay, Cr- Jay Crossover, shout out. Seattle native. Oh, there you go. A.K.A. basketball superstar played on so many different teams that I've supported. Uh, I appreciate Jay Crossover. So maybe that was a moment for us for to do that. But, yeah, no, you, you are from Philadelphia proper, West Side, whereas Marion, like how far away you think? Where is that? Like? Oh, Lord, so Lower Marion is only like. So are you being picky? Are you being the one that's doubting him in his philliness? I mean, he doesn't. Is this the Renton to Seattle moment, or or no, no, it literally is that. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Even even more, it might even be more so like Tequila to Seattle moment. Okay. Right, it's like right next door, but Lower Marion rich as shit. Like you go to Lower Marion, you're like, these white people got money. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So So this is San Jose Sacramento moment. Like just yeah. just south. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, hey, I don't have any callbacks. I say we call this episode happening. That's right. That's it, right. It's episode 49, folks. We're here live in effect. And uh, last time we were post uh, State of the Union, this time now we're current and pre-esque the Olympics. Yep. Those are happening right now. And we're also in line with a lot of like new Trump news. That's right. The shutdown could be happening soon. Like, at 12 o'clock, we're recording this on the East Coast. Like, uh, actually, we're probably about 15 minutes away from knowing if there's going to be a shutdown or not. I haven't checked the news in a while, but... uh, Yeah, we'll be able to do that. And then, uh, on the outside of that, like, Trump in general, uh, he's, he's throwing a military parade that's about to occur, and, uh... You know, I don't have a I don't have a problem with it necessarily in the sense of like I understand why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I and I know everyone's like cost and all this. stuff. It's actually not that bad. Like I don't actually mind people getting behind it. What I don't like is on both sides of the aisle. I don't like how it's becoming such a big story. First of all, and second of all, I don't like how big of an event he's gonna make it. He, like mm-hmm. he doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be what he's creating. And then we don't need to be responding. This reminds me of the jumping on the grenade situation of some of the other things we've been talking about recently. Well, see, I'm going to push back on that because this is like fascism 201 now. Uh, like it's No, because if you look at it, uh, honestly, uh, Democrats and Republicans have held military parades. So we're not actually talking about something that's that outlandish. Everyone's, no, it, everyone's making it out to be that way. But, but it's about context, right? Like, the last time we threw a military parade was after Desert Storm and we won, right? So right. so that being like, let's celebrate our victory, yes, but what the hell is he celebrating? The fact that we have the biggest, baddest war toys in the world, right? What does that? What message does that send to the rest of the world? That's, that's where my I, criticism of it comes from. I don't think he's trying to send a message to the rest of the world in the sense that I think he's trying to send a message to the military themselves who's and military I, ours yeah and i think i think we need to look at that stronger because this is an interesting moment that we have right now we have a lot of voters we have a lot of different districts we've been talking about every state is open what's something that happens in every state is people serve in the military yeah that's true and so if you're going to cut to the core of the issue and basically turn any state you want purple Mm-hmm. divide them on their veteran issue, divide them on their who's serving the military issue. And so I, I see politically this as a strategy, and I and I get it. And I also see it playing out well, ultimately, because I yeah, think people are, gonna, people are going to attend it. A, people are going to go, because it's the first time it's happened since 1991. So people are going to go. It's no, a, no, to be frank, it'll be a NASCAR event. It'll be, right. Right. And, and and I think, like, for me, that's dangerous in the macro. That is, like, super dangerous in the macro. But can you – we have to look at – we have to look at the terrarium with with our lizard in it as a whole terrarium. And the terrarium here is this giant thing we call the United States. We already have too big of a thing to really get these samples that we think scientifically we're getting. The people that are going to attend it live in our country, man. Like, we have to understand them as people. They're not all bad. 
And any and, and to be honest, if it was happening here, I would probably go. I mean, I, it's not. I know that they're all bad. It's about how they're going to think collectively. Like, there's just a bill that passed in the House about limiting um, abortions to up until a fetus can uh, feel pain. So, like, that's also yeah, exactly. But if they like think about it, I like was shaking the, my head right. for the listeners. Yeah, I shook my head. <laughs> right, right. So, so think about it in the long term. Like, yeah, I get it. It's a military parade. But I know if he does a military parade, his constituency and his um, constituency adjacent will look at that and say, like, look at how strong we are. We want to keep him in office more. Right. So let's get out to the polls and get more people like us into Congress. And here's the thing, like the Republicans already have the gerrymandered districts. Right. Like some of them are getting teared down a little bit in uh in the Supreme Court, but I don't think they'll get teared down enough in order to um and for this election. So they can go out there, they can recapture the house. And if they recapture the house, then every single conservative thing they want is on the table and will pass. Right? right. So like for me like the the parade is a symptom of that happening and that's what makes it troublesome and but but do you understand my 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 grenade analogy like we're jumping on it so we're almost creating more damage for ourselves by jumping on it by making because it's happening regardless this is the same argument i made last time Mm -hmm. was was the scenario was happening regardless i don't want to pick my own brain to figure out what republican strategy was occurring it was like two episodes ago Mm -hmm. i said the same fucking argument that were too reactive i think at one point i was talking about the russian investigation i think it's accurate but i don't think we're ever going to get a smoking gun so we almost need to stop talking about it because it's never going to actually result in the thing we want it to result in. Mm-hmm. We become the Lewinsky scandal uh, star investigation side Republicans when we do that. We're pursuing ghosts. You know what I mean? Because what that was was like, I mean, nowadays it'd be a, a Me Too scenario, clearly. You know, a man of power and that. But But at the time, Lewinsky herself was quoted as saying it was a willing participation. Like, like she. Yeah, but I feel like it's apples and oranges. It's yeah. a president getting his dick sucked versus a, a national then, government taking, manipulating people into voting a certain way. I think one's bigger than the other. No, but it was the reaction and the way the investigation occurred. It's not mm-hmm. the act that I'm talking about. Okay. I'm talking about the pursuit of it. We're pursuing it in that same mannerism. We're pursuing each individual mistake meanwhile we're not actually presenting a good enough case on our own end and and i and i think that's that's kind of one of these dilemmas we have to fucking figure out like i'm not even kidding like i think legitimately the democrats need to start getting their heads out of their asses quit saying the same shit and let's start seeing new candidates coming out and and being a part of the lexicon um you know I just saw uh, Run the Jewels on Austin City Limits. Oh, okay, nice. And they were broadcast on PBS and was broadcast like a day ago. And uh, they're the third rap group to do that show. Oh, wow. And that show has been running for like 30 years. Damn. Third rap group. And like the Houston, I know it's Austin, but Houston and Dallas have huge rap scenes in it. For For the most part, here's the deal. Uh, the other two rappers, Most Def, and then Kendrick Lamar. 
So so they just like and they, you, they and basically you, just started doing it is what that says. Exactly. And Austin's a music city. Actually, funny enough, do you know what that makes me think of? Just this new show that comes on TV called The Vo- or not The Voice, The Four. And it has Fergie as the host and this one dude, uh, Justin Warrior, was going up this uh, against this like, you know, I play in bars guitar player that was from Austin. And it was basically like if you watch it, if you go to that episode, I'll have to remember his name. But it was basically like the dynamics of like what a white privileged uh, white boy sees like a black man trying to get his and struggle because, you know, it's fucked up. Like, because he was all like, I don't know if you really a singer. You got all this drama. And then like he, and he was like, he blew up. He's all like, he was like singing. Yeah. Is not something that you learn. It's something that you born with. And I fight like it was. It was passion. It, it was like, but it was definitely like a fuck you white boy. And like he probably didn't have a silver spoon, but he grew up middle class, like in the burbs, right? Like you know, the worst thing he had to worry about is if the girl he wanted to take to prom didn't want him to take him to prom, right? Oh, snap! <laughs> still rough, still rough. I got you. All I got right, you. like so. But he's not worrying about how he's gonna eat. He's not worrying about his mom working three jobs so he can take. Is that what the winner brother. of the four has to be though? No, 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 not oh, at okay. all. No, not at all. It's supposed to be the best performer, right? Yeah, exactly. And oh, definitely okay. Justin Warrior outperformed the dude, but his, like, they kind of get to have, like, banter after they sing and everything, and his banter was just kind of, like, trying to demean him and stuff, and he got voted out real fast, so, because I bring him up because this dude was from uh, Austin, Texas, and he was actually doing uh, shows in Austin, and he's trying to say, like, I'm... I'm done trying to do shows in Austin. Not really done, but he's trying to take that, leverage that, and then come on on the big time, right? And, you know, he, I mean, he was I. I mean, I see why he performs in Austin, and he'd be a good second date act to go to, but, you know, I don't see him, like, performing in big audiences right now. So, like, given that, like, and I, I also know that, like, the problematic era of these reality shows now is that the producers create these scenarios, so to some degree, that was probably played out before either of those performers hit the stage. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I definitely can see that. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's almost disappointing. Like, it, it's, it's, it doesn't matter to me, like, ultimately. But it, but it influences you. And it influences people I know in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, I even watch, I told you, I've, I've probably said on this show, I love America's Got Talent. Mm-hmm. I don't even like it for its quality. I know that there's something to that same degree. But what I like about it is I don't know what the next act's going to be. You know what I mean? Like versus like, yeah, the four, it's, you know, it's a singer. <laughs> you know, I know and the next person might like be juggling knives. That's the thing I like about that. But uh, ultimately, uh, they're framing our judgment in our mind. And we need, I think it's the generation that sees screens every day. The generation that has a show called Black Mirror. <laughs> Which in itself is about how many screens we utilize. And yet we're, we popularize it based on its satire of the only existence we already know. Uh, with a world that's like that, how can we consciously step away and not be influenced by these, these demands and these things? Like, let's not be influenced by... American Idol and the four. Let's not have Simon Cowell tell us who's talented in our world. Let's actually meet and generate talent around us. Oh yeah. I mean there's 
There's definitely that still. I think like Justin Mendez, he was found out on um, what's it called? Vine. He used to do like six second vines that's when I'm sc- singing. That's a screen. No, that's a screen. So what I'm saying is like, like we 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 honestly do need to start making a conscious effort. Like, and then I'm saying this through uh, a medium. We haven't gone Facebook Live. We've talked about it. We've talked about being on UStream. We've talked about it. And and it will happen, and we'll have to do it because we need to develop and we need to 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 progress. So mm-hmm. eventually, that's how we're going to produce the show. But right now, we're just in an audio form. We don't know how you're hearing this. You could be, you know, headphones in your ears on a jog. You could be coming through the speakers of your computer. But, uh, you know, I don't think that's included in my mind for a weird reason. I think we're radio. We're like the replacement of radio. Oh, yeah, know? no, podcast is definitely like radio. And, and so in that sense, what I'm saying is we're not Black Mirror. You know, we're Black Ear. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but my point is uh, we, need, we need to utilize, like the reason uh, podcasting is becoming such like a medium of people actually expressing themselves is because it's, it's uncharted territory. It's ungoverned to a degree. Uh, we can say what we want. And and we need to utilize these mediums and these ideas and get away from these reflective surfaces that are telling us how to think and start interacting with our community again. And and we need to really start thinking of ways to do that, whether that's board game nights, whether that's movies in the park, whether that's block parties. We need to get behind that because otherwise we're all just strangers watching screens, pretending we're doing things. And that doesn't yield a, a good culture or good society or anybody. And it might be creating these inclusive thought patterns that we're having where, where we're creating these sectors of people that are thinking one way is because we're able to only utilize those message boards and those ideas and those concepts. And if we actually met and interacted with the world around us and, and talked about it maybe, Maybe we record town hall meetings more and talk about... Yeah, no, for sure. You know, maybe we record fucking block parties more and go high five. I don't know. My point is we're obsessed with the media form, so we can't ignore it that it's there, but we do need to figure out a way to consciously participate outside of it as well. And uh, I think looking forward in the conceptual idea of how do the Republicans and the Democrats marry these issues it's on the community level that the communities themselves pair together political ideals that make sense and they vote people that make sense for them the gerrymandering and all this like negative division amongst communities it's what's creating com- some of these problems you know mm-hmm. we need to divide communities uh along just county lines or something very arbitrary enough that it doesn't divide racially or economically, and let's just create enclaves of similarly populated groups and try and get kind of a greater consensus as opposed to a racially specific minority. You know what you could do, which would be interesting, because a lot of times in that case, um, our states are purple, but it's very much that metro- large metropolitan areas are blue, and... Uh, more rural areas are red. So I wonder if there's a way where you could take like a swath of rural area and combine it with the close economic or like metropolitan center and make that one voting district because that would be like, oh shit. Oh, okay. 
So you got like this group of, and then like try to make them even population wise. So you got this big group of blue folks here, and you got this big group of red folks here. But of course, in in disbursement, those are going to be more people who are going to like blue people or like red in the sea of blue and blue in the sea of red. But then they can work together and vote in a way where like, yeah, no, we have these ideas because I mean like real talk that's the only reason why washington is a blue state is because the seattle uh the seattle metro area dominates like has a no it, i wouldn't even say dominates honestly it has nothing of a margin over like the rural areas by population where it consistently wins blue right but it's multiple districts i mean it's divided by population so it just happens to be yeah but blue state but yeah yeah uh, the districts in the east are larger and you know less populated total as far as square mileage. But uh, I mean, Philadelphia was the same way, like, and or I should say, Pennsylvania was. And and, and this has been a problem with this state the, the entirety of its existence. I mean, it's part of the reason why you you get complaints out of Spokane about taxes over ferries. You get complaints about the stadiums they built. Uh, it's a it's an issue based state and. Uh, you know, the, the, the purple state dilemma, I think is kind of like my era of political scientists, uh, biggest hill to climb. Mm. I think polarity is already reared its head. I think that's what I was trained on was like how to identify polarity. And now it's so rampant that that doesn't matter anymore. Like the idea of extremism in American politics is clear. You know, you're either extreme left, Subaru, vegan you know whatever <laughs> no, i'm trying to use you know rhetoric that the other side says uh -huh. or or on our end uh you know you're a racist uh, neo-nazi or you know what i mean like like we've created these norms of extremism that that you know and i've always called myself a moderate to a degree um it's 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 terrible you know so i start having to identify with other elements of of life you know, whether it's activity, you know, or or population of the people around me. You know what I mean? Like I, I identify with liberal uh, idealism and progressivism. Mm -hmm. I, I, I go on board with that. I don't go on board with everything. I personally like, for instance, here's the thing. This is an unpopular opinion, but I'll, I'll give it on this podcast just to be honest. So people understand we're not just creating some generic speech. I question how technically the West's uh, recycling programs actually promote um, better uh, ecological benefit. Um, I, I question the idea that there's a possibility that we're spending a lot of money recycling and a lot of it's not actually getting recycled. A lot of it's getting thrown in landfills. And Yeah, it could be. And I wonder if... if because of that, we're spending a lot of money towards a non-science. We're almost we're almost paying for chiropractory if we don't believe in chiropractory. You know what I mean? Like some people don't, and uh, I think that's how recycling is right now. Like I think I think as a practice, it it should happen. I think there are recycling products, but I just think as as municipalities are so large in the in the idea of contamination in a recycling program is so huge and the idea of the single use recycling that we do now we don't separate i think the likelihood of it most batches being tainted is pretty high and and i'm curious about the the likelihood that a lot of our practice of of uh composting and recycling is actually not accurately assisting the the ecological benefit
And that's just me as an outsider. I don't say that a lot. I'm saying it publicly right now, but I'm saying, you know what I mean? No, that's fine. That, that sounds like something where... I'm curious to the actual numbers. And I think yeah. it's hard if you really want to do hard science mm-hmm. where you come up with actual facts to get those numbers. You can get a lot of facts from a lot of companies, but to actually like verify mm-hmm. and understand how the process... I think it's more difficult. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So... You know, and I think things like that, you know, aren't talked about. And I think part of that is because it feels like on the Democratic side, we don't want to give any territory to our our opponents, quote unquote. So we don't want to be like, let's open the door so they can hate recycling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even if our recycling programs aren't necessarily like producing the way we want them to or doing the effective thing you know and and 800 people can tweet us tomorrow and tell me i'm wrong i would actually love to hear that but i'm saying th- there's a reason i say this you know i th- i just think the likelihood of tainted batches based on how effective people are at choosing to recycle and what they throw in those bins yeah i i saw a youtube thing uh, recently about how a lot of people do fuck up what they throw into the recycling. So at the recycling center, they actually have to go through a lot of times by hand and take out the things that should be recycled and take out the things that shouldn't be recycled. So, yeah, there is there is a bit of uh, accounting for human error in the process already. And uh, those things are usually run by municipalities and everything. So and I think their data is public. So we could probably check their data and see. Yeah, for enough of them. Yeah. And then there's a whole group of states and cities and municipalities that have no programs. Yeah. You know, so there's there's interesting data we can see. And and and, and that's just one of those things where I'm like, let's let's find out. It doesn't matter politically. Let's just talk about it. Yeah. Let's, let's not pretend like I'm against recycling. I literally did not make a statement in that sentence that says I'm against recycling. What I questioned was are we kind of maybe being lied to the effectiveness of the recycling program we're told that we're participating in? No, I mean... You, and that's a fair argument got, of a participant in the I program. I don't know why anybody would would take because, you down for that. Because people articulate argument as feeding the other side. That's that's part of this democratic rhetoric we need to get, we need to get past is... By saying that, by opening an avenue to say possibly recycling programs are negative, mm-hmm. I've I've created like a conservative argument. You see what I mean? That's and and, and it's not accurate. That I'm, seems weird because your your like whatever you're thinking is kind of it's verifiable though. Like it, it's right. You, you can check the data and then say yes, you're right or no, you're wrong. So or 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 here's the data. They can't tell me if I'm right or wrong, because because to some degree they could just say, here's the data that we've collected, and now I have to go find out like, well, where'd you get that? You know what I mean? Like that's 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 the other part of it is as Democrats we keep doing that. We keep asking the conservatives for more answers, more deep questions. But then when we have those same questions about our own practices, we need to be asking those same deep questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think that's that's an introspective liberal opinion. We need to we need to start fucking applying. Yeah, no, it's, it's good to challenge your assumptions. Yeah, uh, I think I think that that's that evolution between now and twenty twenty is the best case scenario. 
is that we start to identify our problematic behavior, try and actually like address it, get honest candidates that don't do this like rich speak. You know, there's been a problem about a disparity about how Republican, you know, he, he, he speaks an approachable speech. You know, let's get, let's stop using such large like narratives and let's not let's let's talk to people about about the problems they're seeking specifically mm-hmm. you know as opposed to to trying to fit this larger narrative cuz we thought somehow on the coattails of obama the democrats couldn't lose y- you can tell by the way they went with healthcare they thought that and that's that's been a program that the republicans have used against us the whole time yeah, you know, because really, ever since healthcare, the world we live in today has the seeds of Burrison. You know, this is the Trump is the sprout on the windowsill of the kindergarten class. Yeah, a little bit. I still, I still contribute Trump's win more to the seventy-one thousand people who didn't vote, <laughs> like more than anything else. But but people don't vote every presidential election. So yeah, but not half of the voting block. It it's it, I mean you you can look up any statistic you want. The voting percentage of our country is abysmal at best. Um, so it doesn't matter. Uh, ultimately, he won fair and square. Oh no, no, I'm not saying well, like I mean, I mean yeah. fair, fair and square. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he won fair and square. R- the electoral R- college, R- Russian popular vote means nothing. He won fair and square, but I think it is fair to say. The folks like who because seventy one thousand people on either side would have like something something of that. It it is good. I think if you want voting in this country to be a thing that everyone participates in, you do have to give some level of guilt and shame to people who didn't vote. All right, it's if everybody's gonna be active in the process, and this is not like every like American, this is every registered uh, American who was registered so, to vote. So, so the official first "How You Live" in documentary is gonna <laughs> be us exploring why didn't you vote? Oh, yeah, and, and I, I mean, I know that's been talked about before, but we maybe need to answer that question again. Yeah, that's true. You know, why didn't they vote? Because there's a lot of people out there who think their vote doesn't matter. There was a people who equated... um, I'm curious. Yeah. I don't even think we could even describe the spectrum of people who chose not to vote. I think we would be surprised. Yeah. I think we would be surprised by both sides, and I think everything in between. I think that's an interesting endeavor. We should look into, and maybe other people are doing it now, write it down. This yeah. podcast just gave you that. No. <laughs> Kickstarted. But it's interesting. Yeah. Like, let's... Why didn't you vote? You know? Because ultimately, it, you are right to a degree. There's definitely 71,000 people that didn't vote. Uh, but what if they all voted for Trump? You know? And he can say that. You know? And it's not even like a real thing, but he can. I mean, no, and then I would be fine. Then that would... Well, what I'm saying is, like, I, I always bring that up because... We always frame it, uh, it as America voted for Trump, right? When it was really like one fourth of registered voters voted for Trump, right? Like, and and that is the framework and the narrative that's a little bit false based on the numbers. And that's why I always bring that to challenge that narrative. Like, I bring that up to say, like, there was a a quarter of Americans who were like, "We're for Hillary," or 
all right, based on the fact that Bernie's not running anymore, we're for Hillary. There is another fourth of Americans that were like, we're for Trump, or based on the fact that Bernie's not running anymore, we're voting for Trump. And then there, there's the other two-fourths or one-half of Americans that were like, I don't like either of them, or maybe couldn't get to a polling station, or, you know, just don't give a fuck in general, right? So, But if we keep arguing that, if we keep living November 8th, Ninth. No, no, no. I, I, all I'm saying is don't frame the whole thing as uh, this is what America thinks because he got voted in when that is demonstrably untrue. Okay. Yeah, I get that. But I'm saying we need to stop addressing the election and not only start addressing the next election, but start addressing the next specific fight. And start addressing leaders of that fight, mm-hmm. and start creating. I mean, it, we're we have to become the Boston Red Sox if they're the fucking Yankees. Like we don't get to just pretend we're like some minor league. Oh, we lost the game. Shit. Oh no. We gotta start playing in Yankee Stadium. Like we give a fuck, and we don't care who the Babe Ruth is, and we're gonna hit some fucking home runs because otherwise. We're playing a game against a guy who's going to win another fucking four years. And I don't know what you think he's going to possibly do with it. But I'm going to tell you right now, if he gets reaffirmed and reelected, it's going to be a goddamn lot worse than what we're fucking seeing right now. So that's the reality. Let's stop playing games. Let's stop pushing the fucking dice back to fucking November whatever 2016. And let's start playing about today, tomorrow, and 20 fucking 20. Because that's what I'm saying, man, is I'm only bringing this shit up because it's real. It doesn't matter to me. I'll vote for the real candidate. I voted for Hillary when people were for Bernie. Like, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm my own political beast. I'm never gonna be on Trump's side. He can't, he can't give me a. He could make me fucking treasurer tomorrow, and I still wouldn't vote for him. I would fucking be his treasurer. God damn it! Yeah, I take the position. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I would. I wouldn't vote for him again though. He's not. He doesn't support what I support. So. That's my reality, and and when okay, I, I guess I bring up those numbers because what I want people to do is to see the full scope of who voted and why, and I want us, I guess, the, on the left and the Democrats to say, all right, seventy-one percent of people who didn't vote, why, and what can we do to make you vote? That's more of like yeah. what I'm trying to say. But then, but like, but it goes back to my documentary idea. Yeah. So why didn't they vote? Because it's a spectrum. That's my point. Is we're not going to be able to know. Like it's literally our grandma. It's our it's our cousin. It's our neighbor. It's it's the guy who lives four blocks away, and he's like, yeah, I had a pump business. I heard that fucking pumps are going to be discounted and Trump presidents. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? We don't know the narrative that they that like. The the more this country grows, it it impresses me with the fact that uh, the ideas keep coming. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we we just we keep and, and so we're not worse off. We're not going to implode because we have more better people than we ever had. Do you know what I mean? Like I mean, to, like yeah, I'm a I'm a little fifty fifty on our implosion now. No, but. no, no, no. Because Trump doesn't run everything. It it seems like it right now, but he really doesn't. 
He really, really actually doesn't. Yeah, but his cabinet is something to be wary of. His cabinet, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and what what we need to start focusing on again, the show has always talked about, mm-hmm. is what's going on around us. What can we control in front of us right now? Because the more we do that, the more we're actually exercising our ability as Americans. That's true. The more we focus on this hyperbole about taking down Trump or or eliminating the power the Republicans have when they have a majority is is false. And we're ignoring patterns of things we could actually be doing right now that would be fixing shit. And And everything's patterns, man. Everything's fucking what we choose to do. And if we choose to just argue that Russia needs to be involved in his election, so let's argue about it. If we arguing, uh, his shit with his sons, like all these things that we're we're, we need to just ignore it at this point. Honestly, we're not going to stop it, and we need to start focusing on our local shit and having our fucking elected officials focus on their local shit, and we will look like such better representatives of this country. Because he will walk himself into a shit pile. No one has to fucking do it for him. He's doing it. We're doing our own disservice by making every shit he steps on look like the biggest shit that's ever happened. And we look foolish. So somehow, some way, we need to find a way to dissolve the reactionary effort of the Democrats and start working on what we're fucking trying to get done. Honestly. Yeah. Well, Nancy Pelosi did do like an eight-hour speech, so there's that. Maybe she's just as fervent as me, man. Maybe she's tired of the shit. I don't know. But, like, that's where I'm at. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't need to hear about what he's doing wrong. Let me start fucking hearing about what we're doing right and how we're changing hearts and minds. Because if we're not, then what the fuck are we doing? Let's get in line. Let's start voting for Trump and let's get that money, baby. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because if we're in for the long haul, if we're in for four more years, dude, how you living, that's how we would make our money. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's how foolish this ideal is. If we really can't replace him in 2020, you and I should get on his fucking dick right now. Because he's going to be our president for a minute. Maybe he'll start paying us. You know what I mean? But that's not important to us. It's our ideals, right? It's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But we also want to see a good change. I want to think 2020 is a real shot for us. Let's make it a real shot. You know, let's. No, and I definitely think it is. I think 2020 definitely is a real shot. Okay, it's not a shot in the bucket though. It's not easy as fuck. No, no, it's not a shot in the bucket. I mean, his approval, like the the thing is, his approval ratings are still like in kind of the 30s, and that kind of matches the amount of people who voted for him. Right. Right. So yeah, it's it's, it's scary in a way. It's almost nullifying the idea that he's unpopular. I've thought that before. I think the polls are polluted. In the sense that there's a high likelihood to people who are polled will say they voted for him. Just based on the fact that he's president. Mm-hmm. And it reaffirms an ideal that the people that already voted for him believe. Which is that a reasonable amount, and to them, 30%, knowing that only what? 60% of total eligible voters voted? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, given that, they're a majority in a way. Right. They're a minority majority. Uh, honestly, I hope like what I'm hoping for is enough of the the 50 percent of uh, Americans who didn't vote are fed up with this fucking antics 
understand that they need to register to vote today to vote in their um so they can vote in their primaries to get the person they want into the general so then we can actually have a congress that can like curtail all this bullshit because like it is uh, honestly it's the macro of the government right now that scares me the most it's not i could like Yes, I care about Donald Trump, but I care about Donald Trump in the sense of, one, he has the ability to start a war. Two, he has the ability to write laws. Um, three, he has the ability to do way too much with executive orders. And three, he's the one who is the main liaison for uh, foreign affairs. He, he doesn't actually get to write laws, but other than that, I get what you're saying. No, 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 no. Like Executive orders. Yeah. He gets to like sign laws is what I meant to say. No, sign executive orders. They're not technically laws, but yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, he gets to sign laws into law oh, and he gets not, to sign executive oh, orders. Oh, not vetoing them. Right, yeah, 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 right. So, I mean, like we know if we take back the House and Senate, there's going to be two years of no, no. No, because, of yeah. course, like, that's not what his constituency wants. Right. But the point is that I like to, you know, get your troops in order in 2018. So when the new general takes over, your marching orders are in place. So uh, Well, yeah, 2018, it's been our marching order the whole time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I mean make or break it. Right. So if that doesn't happen, if we lose 2018, then, of course, we lose 2020. Yeah. Right. Like, it's so... Because there's going to be enough people who are going to be like, well, we know what to expect from him now, and and then we might vote for him again. But like, like let's think about the people over at Carrier. Remember the big thing about Carrier, where they're like they're keeping American jobs now. Carrier is actually moving those jobs to Mexico, and now they're just like we feel duped. We feel we feel like he said one thing. We're like, yeah, because he's a sleaze. We knew this, but y'all didn't. Y'all fell into it, and that's how it starts. That's how. I I hate to like I this is gonna sound dramatic to a lot of people, but no, this is exactly how what happened in um in Germany in nineteen forty five happens. Right? So that's where I'm a little like I guess the the question I would throw to you is like what should we Nineteen twenty nine? Like like the rise of Hitler? Yeah. Yeah, not forty five. Forty five is the end of the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but yeah, of course. But yeah, like that—that's what's stirring up, right? When you look at ICE and like ICE is basically saying, "Are you brown? Are you you're brown? Oh, are you an American citizen? No, <laughs> like, like that's the same thing with like people being Jewish in Germany back then, right? It's a slow burn, and this slow burn is happening. So I guess what I'm wondering is like, if we can't point out that Trump is doing very fascist things to inform people he's doing very fascist things so we can try to stop the line somewhere, then, like, what what should we be doing instead? Well, A, luckily for us, he's older than Hitler was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, his frailty in life is, is key. You know, because cause we... I, I think I'm going to start looking at him like a Reagan. Mm -hmm. So if he does get elected a second term, it'll be tamer. Uh, Reagan's was tamer. Uh, George H.W. Bush kind of ramped it back up towards what he had directed in the beginning and kind of got him unelected. You know, it was like because he realized he had to raise taxes to pay for the programs that he wanted. 
Uh-huh. And he had said, read my lips, no new taxes. And there was a few other things. And uh, a governor out of Arkansas took the took the place. Uh, I think we're there. I think, I think we have a real shot at him serving another four years. Oh no, I think we do too. I think um, we have to look at how we want to work within that framework. At some point, I think uh, that's the scariest part. No, I I'm only gonna like that's a I mean cross post 2018. I get it. Right. That's I a- get it. But but we. We need to start admitting that enough of a problem occurred in the 2016 election that taught us about influence, about what uh, impression, about about desire for election, uh, about about identity, uh, and, and and we need to identify with those things in a way that the people that voted for them don't think we're against them, because we don't need to be against the voters of Trump anymore. We need to start identifying with them and identifying with what their identity leads to our votes. You see? Okay, I can see. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I can see your point there. That's the thing that we screwed up was we started identifying people that supported him with the negativity. So there was no reason for this to come to us. Well, so, yeah, because you shame the types of things in society you don't want to see. And we already didn't pick them on the kickball team. So why are they going to want to play with us? So it, it's 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 a thing now that we need to create in a real way. And if that means dialogue and understanding, I think we can pick off enough numbers where we can start winning districts. Mm-hmm. And it'll make 2018 not only more winnable, but it'll give a blueprint for how 2020 may or may not be winnable. So uh, that being said, uh, in lieu of a fun topic, I'm going to say in support of Nicole Eggert, I remove all any future uh, references to Charles in charge. Wait, what? Why? I don't want to support the promotion of Scott Baio. Oh, I think I saw that. Based on some Me Too references from Miss Nicole Eggert, who I supported both in Charles in Charge and her work in Baywatch. Oh, okay. And so, in in lieu of that, I I used to call you the Charles of Charles in Charge. <laughs> I apologize, Chaz. You are a much better man. I mean, than the official Charles Charles in Charge. So Scott Bayo is kind of a dick. In lieu of all that, uh, I'm sorry, Goonball. I'm sorry, Charles in Charge, we are retiring you from any references further forth. And that means we're only going to talk about uh, TGIF more often. Yeah. Because there ain't no problem with a little bit of Full House, a little bit of Family Matters, a little bit of Step by Step, a little bit of Boy Meets World, a little bit of Perfect Strangers. Indeed. I think I hit them all. I don't know. There might be one or two more. I mean, like, I remember hanging with Mr. Cooper. Did it hit? Was that? Was that? F- was that? Okay. Yeah, that was TGIF. Right. Yeah, throwback to our TGIF episode. I don't know. I don't remember which one that was. But. Mr. Cooper. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so that being said, you can always get a hold of me at Seatown Mayor. Uh, that's S E A T O W N M A Y O R. 
on the Twitters and also at hylbox at gmail.com for the show. Send us an email. Chaz, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, I just want to say uh, happy belated 25th birthday, or sorry, 23rd birthday to Trayvon Martin. You know, that was back like February 4th and everything like that. But you can catch me at CRSII at uh, Twitter and Chaz underscore Baz pretty much everywhere else. Yeah, uh, solemn happy birthday, Trayvon, man. Uh, the story lives on, everything, uh... You know, one of these days, man, we're going to look back at this time and we're going to see the difference makers of our era are going to be uh, not the same as like before where they have to make these like million person speeches and things. It's going to be people whose family members that were taken away from them too soon. It's going to be people that fought against injustices in our government or witnesses or mm-hmm. it's going to be teachers who were willing to actually teach honest things in areas that didn't want them to, i.e. evolutions technically in the fighting period right now as being a participating part of science. And, uh, and we're going to look at this era and be like, these people were soldiers in a war we didn't even know we were waging, you know. Yeah, no, that's true. It's definitely it's a it's an interesting cultural, um, and culturally defining moment of America that we're living through right now. Yeah, and it's it's different than our era where it was like our only concern was like, why doesn't my cereal box have a prize? Last <laughs> week it had a prize in it. Like now, the nineties, man. Even the even then, it had a prize and a maze on the back of the box. Ah, shit. All right. Uh, catch us online, CRSII, Seatown Mayor. Uh, much love, homie. I hope you're hoping good things. Uh, see you soon. Yeah, you too, Mikel. Get it. And, oh, snaps. We out. Peace. Who's that be Thad's Martian? Go.